Hi, welcome to MedTech for Beginners, the place to come if you want to know more about how to bring new health and care innovations into the UK market. Hi and welcome to this week's edition of MedTech for Beginners and this one is the final edition in our mini-series looking at MedTech because we have things in the offing uh, in the future for another mini-series but this is the end of looking at how you bring a new technology to market and the considerations and the different actions you might need to take in the process. So today I'm going to be talking with Kerry Lummis. She is is my virtual PA and absolutely invaluable asset as someone to work with. And Kerry has been doing loads of work in the background when I just sit and talk to people, which is uh, I just do the easy bit. So Kerry has been doing a lot of work in the background. So I just want to start by saying hi, Kerry. Hello. Good to be here again. It feels right back to the beginning again, doesn't it? When we did the first two episodes together. We did. And and here we are back at the beginning. Do you want to just tell the listeners, because, well, I know for some people, for the Young and Clever, podcasts almost happen by magic because they record things and it's brilliant and they just send it out there. But it's not that simple for us. (laughs) (laughs) We're a bit longer in the tooth. (laughs) Yeah. So, Kerry, what do you do for the podcast? So it's been quite a steep learning curve for me because I'd only ever listened to a few podcasts and I had never been involved in a podcast before. So as you'll remember, Kate, right back at the beginning, we had to investigate what platforms we were going to use, build up a schedule together of guests and put them in some kind of logical flow, logical sequence and manage those guests, get them all booked in, manage their own expectations as to what to expect, because I suspect with quite a few of our guests, it's the first time they'd probably been a guest on the podcast. So it's been little baby steps for us all as we've sort of found our feet and grown into it. In addition to organising the guests and managing their expectations, I've also fed information through to our marketing lady for the social media side of things. I haven't done the editing of, of the episodes, but I've approved the edits, checked that it all flowed okay, and done a, a synopsis ready for the social media to be prepared to go out, and just checking that it all falls into place and that we're not linking on social media to an episode that isn't live yet which is my biggest fear so far so good I think oh that's fantastic thank you Kerry because honestly these wouldn't exist without Kerry so um, and and when she uses we I think it's the royal we most of that's been done by Kerry the vast majority (laughs) so this is just a final goodbye and thank you for listening to this mini series Kerry I think you had a few questions for me didn't you (laughs) Yeah, so I I was just intrigued looking back, as we've just had a little reflection right back at the beginning, what made you want to do the podcast in the first place? And do you feel like we've fulfilled that vision that you had when we first set out? So the reason I wanted to do the podcast was because I've had a lot of questions over the years from different people bringing new technology to market, having brilliant ideas, new thoughts, new visions for themselves. And they come to me with a lot of questions. And those questions can vary from who's going to buy it. Actually, I don't very often get asked that question, who's going to buy it. I get told these people are going to buy it. And then quite often, maybe unkindly, I might laugh and say, 
I don't think so. Uh, so I think the questions and the thoughts about how to get yourself in the right position to get your product to market, to get it made, uh, get it developed and, and so on and so forth. I think there was there's so many different questions to be addressed that once you start talking to people, I'll say, oh, yes, we can have half an hour. Let's have a half an hour chat. And it always goes over an hour, quite often an hour and a half. And then people look at me with this sort of days look at the end as if uh, and I then apologize for doing a brain dump because there's so much let's try it there's so much to think about so many different areas to consider there's regulation compliance there's product development there's um patient safety patient and public involvement where are you going to sell it to who are you going to sell it to how are you going to sell it there's so many different things to think about that it is actually quite a lot to take on board. And I think this uh, podcast series has proved really quite how much there is to take on board because we've done well over 20 episodes talking to lots of different people from lots of different perspectives. And has it served its purpose? I think so, because I've had many conversations where I've, since I've started the podcast, where I've said, can you now listen to the podcast? I think this episode in particular would be beneficial. Listen to that and then decide what you want to do. And I think in that respect, definitely, I think it's it's met our objectives when we were setting out. Try and provide that free advice and information for people to give them pointers to get them started. Yeah. Good. I'm glad it's earning its keep. <laughs> <laughs> so, so as I listen to the edits, I know there are various things that stick out in my mind I wouldn't say quite a light bulb moment because it's it's not something that I've really particularly thought about a great deal before because I haven't had to. But things that I thought, gosh, I wouldn't have thought about that and how much more involved it can actually be. I mean, you've just mentioned um, the regulatory side of things, compliance and patient safety. I think there's been various eye openers there. I think it was Chris that mentioned go for a funding round before you start on the sales process because you're going to be shelling out a lot before you start reaping the rewards from from those sales efforts and I think for me I thought yeah that sounded like a little nugget but also the one that I think keeps recurring is make sure that you're addressing a real need Yes. Make absolutely. sure that there is actually a need out there and that there isn't another solution that can be done cheaper or that it's just not realistic. Make sure that you are actually addressing the real need. How about you? What was your your biggest insight from talking to your guests? I think I think just about every guest that was talking about new product development and introduction to the market came up with that, what you what you've just mentioned you know, is there really a problem here? I know that you think there's a problem, you think it's a brilliant idea, but, you know, is it really for the healthcare professionals that are working in that field? Have you really investigated your market? Because investment of time and potentially money up front in understanding what your market looks like and what your customers need is money well money and time well spent it's really important to get that piece done and and so many of the people that i interviewed said that get a proper understanding of where you want to sell this and then get a really good plan in place of what you're going to do because if you don't do that 
groundwork, if you don't do that initial discovery work, then you can be spending so much time and money just going in completely the wrong direction. You could be creating something that's never, ever going to sell. So it's really, really important. And I think so many people said that as one of their first, you know, pointers. I think it's worth saying it again. Yeah, I guess it's having the the confidence to say, yeah, to, to take this advice is going to cost me money and it's money that I'm not yet making, but it's having that confidence to know that you've got to invest in the right areas and investing in some good advice is then going to save you a lot of money in the long run through paddling your boat in completely the wrong direction. Exactly, exactly. And, and, and that comes down to if you're going to fail, fail quickly. Yes. It's always really, really hard to step away from your baby, you know, a, a product yeah. that's been your your surrogate child, maybe for two, five years, you've been working on the same thought, the same idea, um, getting it to the point that it's at. But to actually say, this is not going to sell um, and making that decision quickly is actually worth tens of thousands of pounds, if not hundreds of thousands of pounds, in some cases millions, because stepping away early from something that is not going to be a commercial success is saving you all that that potential investment that is going to go into the future of um, product development, sales, marketing, all the other structures that you need to have in place. So it's really important and something to be proud of Uh, try and get yourself into that mindset that you have to be strong and you have to be proud of making a decision to say no, no more on this. Yeah, difficult decision, but yeah, needs to be done, doesn't it? I can see that. But of course, that's not to say, correct me if I'm wrong, but listening and forgive me because I can't remember (laughs) which guest it was for for which I apologise, but one of the earlier guests was saying, that yeah that is just the first iteration it could be that with some tweaks and and with a bit more development it could still be a viable product but maybe just not as you first envisaged it and again that goes down to customer discovery it could be that some of the customer discovery work that we do where we start talking to clinicians and for a product that is envisaged by our client as going into a certain area in healthcare they'll say oh no no it'll never work here it can't work here for whatever reason i suggest you talk to and then send us to another discipline and by going to that other discipline you may find that the product needs to be slightly adjusted and changed in some way so that it fits in that discipline but it could be you know answering a real problem for them so again yes you know fail quickly redirect make sure that you know your market and the more people you talk to the more potential options you will get during those conversations and i guess when you say know your market i guess it doesn't make it easier how many different bodies is the nhs actually made up of it's a lot isn't it over forty thousand organizations in the nhs and that must be when you say know your market and if they're all playing by slightly different rules or or guidelines 
Yeah. <laughs> the whole idea of the structure of the NHS is that when you talk about NHS foundation trusts, they are autonomous organisations. The whole point of them is that they can make their own decisions. So although there are guiding regulations and guidelines, there's also a whole ream of different things that they can do differently internally in each organization. So again, just because you can sell it to one NHS trust and they think it's fantastic and it meets with all of their objectives for that year, it doesn't mean that the one next door is going to be the same. It could be completely opposite. It could have already solved that problem or not see it as a problem or, you know, not have it as a priority. There are other things that are more important. So this is why it's really um, it is really challenging to work with the NHS. Um, And something uh, many years ago, I spoke to somebody uh, from Innovate UK and they said that the question that is answered most poorly of all Innovate UK questions is about commercialisation and spread. And the worst way you can answer that question, just as a tip for everybody, the worst way to answer that question is to say, oh, I'm going to sell it to the NHS or I'm going to sell it to GPs because you haven't actually thought at all about who within the NHS you're going to sell to, how you're going to sell it to them, whether it's something that is a particularly appeal to them. You know, if you're going to sell it to the NHS, you need to think, which organisations within the NHS you're going to sell it to, which stakeholders you are going to focus on, who are the people that hold the purse strings, and what are their key objectives and drivers in order for them to want to buy your product. If you don't know that stuff, don't bother filling the form in for Innovate UK and wasting several weeks of your life trying to put that together because you need to know who's going to buy it and why they're going to buy it. And how are they going to buy it? Is it going to go through procurement or is it of a low enough value to go through autonomous purchase? You don't know. So you need to find these things out. Does it have to go through a tender or can you sell it direct? You need to know this stuff. So it's really important to, to, to know what you're doing because you can be the, you know, the most world renowned academic in your field, which is fantastic and something to be very proud of. But your your thoughts, your ideas that have gone into this product need to be translated into something that somebody can get the point of and purchase. That's it. And I think what, what uh, you've clearly highlighted to me with that answer is when you talk to me about bid writing and grant applications, and we've had lots of discussions in the past where if the answer allows you to write 5,000 words, you need to be writing 5,000 words, else you're not going to be scoring the, the, the marks, you're not going to be doing yourself justice. And your original answer there on the Innovate UK question was, oh, I'm going to sell to the NHS. Well, your answer and the, the rhetorical questions you threw up there in your answer was an awful lot longer than that. And I guess if, you, if somebody were to answer those rhetorical questions that you've just thrown out, that's where you get the meaty answer, isn't it? Yeah. Rather than just the uh, the few word answer. I suppose your words have got to be relevant, not waffle, but you've got to do yourself justice, haven't you? 
Yeah. So, so yes, there were a lot of there are a lot of instances during product development and bringing a product to market where you will be making applications for funding, or you could be applying to tenders. So, I think these are quite important uh, things to consider. You know, if you're if you're filling in an answer to a question, if you don't understand the question, ask for clarification. So whoever it is, whatever techno, whatever program you're going through, whether it's the, you know tenders or or grants, if you don't understand the question, ask for clarification. Make sure that what you're answering is the right question. If you see what I mean, if you understand the question correctly, then you should be able to formulate a comprehensive answer. Just saying, well, I think about, I think this is an answer, but it hasn't answered half of it. Then you've lost half of those points before you even start. And and the world that we live in now is very, very competitive, very competitive. Don't think you're going to win a tender or you're going to win a grant with anything less than 85%. So you need to be making sure you've answered every question as comprehensively and correctly as possible. Yeah. I would imagine that some people would be a little bit nervous going and asking for clarification. They wouldn't get marked down then. For no, 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 no. So if you're looking at tenders, clarification questions are actually part of the structure. And it's within the tender documentation. It says how long you've got to ask clarification questions. And you put it through the portal that you're putting the tender through. So it's it's a very, it's actually part of the process it's an expected part of the process make sure that they are concise and polite your questions make sure that your questions are very clear what question you're asking about and why be aware that in a in an open tender situation when you're in procurement that anything that is shared between you and a commissioner has to be public so your clarification question will be printed in full and if you don't want your competitors to know your reasoning behind us asking that question just be careful how you word it but yes it's it it is definitely part of the question it's and if you're looking at funding bodies it's part of their job to help people to understand what the process is so they're expecting questions as well so clarification is the sensible thing to do absolutely Interesting. So we've covered then our insights from our guests. What do you think the listeners' biggest takeaways will be? Well, I think in some ways I I hope that they've taken this away and in some ways I hope they haven't. And that is that it's very, very complex. We've got so many episodes and each episode strikes on something slightly different. Um, so that, that can seem quite daunting. So, but I don't want the listeners to feel scared and put off by that. I think hopefully the listeners will take away from this. I have to do a lot of prep before I start going anywhere with this. And I have to really think about it. And hopefully if they found particular episodes of use that they will revisit them. Uh, to consider what they're doing. But yes, I think the potentially the main takeaway is I'm bringing something to market and each of these episodes is up to sort of 25, 30 minutes. And how many episodes have we got? 25, 26? Oh, it's a lot. slightly less maybe. We've how got a lot sure? of episodes. It's kept, it's kept yeah. us busy for quite some time. So I think that's, that's a takeaway for the listeners. <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> 
We're not we're not just doing this to flap our gums, everybody. <laughs> Well, there's a lot. There's, a, I mean, we've talked about some of the nuggets that stand out, but I mean, there's a lot of useful information in there, isn't there? I think. Yeah. I think having listened to what I've listened to, I think my advice would probably be just to start at the beginning and work your way methodically through each episode. Because if you miss anything out, you don't know what it is that you don't know. You don't know what you're missing, do you? Yeah, exactly. And, and nobody nobody knows what they don't know. And that's the trouble that you have when you're coming into a new market. You don't know what questions to ask to start with, and you don't know who to ask, and you don't know where to go. Um, so hopefully, these are a few signposts along the way saying, oh, go and ask this person, go and have a word with that person. And, and these are the sort of questions you need to be asking them. Uh, I think that's that's worthwhile so um we've had great fun making this haven't we kerry we've learned a lot we we have we always have great fun there kate don't we We always have have a laugh and whatever we're doing we always make time to have a laugh along the way as well don't we we do manage it i don't know how sometimes sometimes you have to laugh or you cry (laughs) well there is that (laughs) we might be laughing at ourselves but so long as we're laughing that's the main thing So thank you for for being part of this final. It it seems complete having Carrie on this episode. Carrie does so much of the work in the background. Just to to tie this episode up and and say thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the series. And also, if you can follow us on your favourite podcast platform, uh, we are coming back in the new year and we are going to be exploring social care because although we live in a world that we are told is integrated for integrated across health and social care we all know it's not so (laughs) so uh, we're going to look next year at the social care environment and working in cqc regulated businesses and how you might want to bring technology into those type of businesses as well so there's lots of things to talk about give you some understanding of of what it's like working in one of those businesses and the sorts of challenges that they have had to face i mean we worked in peer networks, didn't we, Kerry, with these people through lockdown? And yeah, they they do an amazing job and they have so many different things they have to think about and so many responsibilities. I think it, it will be um real eye-opener. And if you actually work in healthcare yourself, I think it's worth a listen because sometimes I think healthcare doesn't quite appreciate what social care do. I don't want to say all the time, but sometimes I think they're they're seen a bit as a poor relation and these people do an amazing job. So hopefully you will want to listen to that as well, because I think this will be a whole new stance and something interesting and diverting for all of you. So again, thank you for listening. And uh, it's been great to have you along on our journey. And Carrie is an independent virtual PA. So I'm going to let Kerry sign off and tell you how you can get hold of Kerry yourself. No, not that you're allowed to have all of her time because she is not. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't do without her. Um, But um, Kerry, how can people get hold of you? Thank you, Kate. So my name is Kerry Lummis. I run Lummis Virtual Solutions. So we're a small team of virtual assistants or virtual PAs working for small businesses or remotely, just like a a traditional PA really, but with a, a modern twist in so much as we work virtually. And we find ourselves helping out on podcasts, which is obviously a little less traditional than a lot of the um, tr- traditional PA work. My, my email address is kerry, 
K-E-R-R-Y, at Lummis, V-S, that's L-U, M for Mike, M for Mike, U, S for Sierra, V for Victor, S for Sierra, Lummis, V-S, .co.uk, or you can find me by Googling Lummis Virtual Solutions. Thank you to all our guests as well. It's been uh, great to get to know everybody a little bit better. So uh, thank you, Kate, for giving me the opportunity to do that as well. And, yep, just to reiterate from me, please do follow us on your favourite podcast platform so you get a notification when the next mini-series on social care begins. Yeah, and just to point out that uh, part of being my virtual uh, assistant, Kerry pointed out for me to make that reminder earlier because I wouldn't have done and I would have forgotten. So that's sort of an example of what Kerry does. <laughs> so it's all right, you're pulling faces. You can't, the listeners can't see Kerry is pulling faces at me. But uh, yeah, she, she's very good at reminding me to do things which I forget all the time. Um, so. <laughs> And so if you need to, if you want to get hold of of me um, or any of our team, because we have a team of consultants that work in anything to do with commercialization for health and care, you can find us at pimsconsultancy.co.uk. That is Papa Yankee Mike Sierra Consultancy.co.uk. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you found it both interesting and useful. Please feel free to message us if you've got any questions that you'd like to ask or any requests for future interviewees or any particular aspects of MedTech that you'd like to know more about. We'd be happy to include them in future episodes. Our email address is info at pimsconsultancy.co.uk. That's info at Papa Yankee Mike Sierra consultancy.co.uk or you can find out more about this podcast by visiting pimsconsultancy.co.uk forward slash medtech podcast until the next time bye for now